and we want to give honor where honor is due. <clears throat> and here today, before we go on with the rest of the service, I want all of our people who have served in the military to stand. Yeah, this is, appreciate this. Appreciate all of these people in Jesus' name. Yes, yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Praise God. That is awesome in Jesus' name. Print is very, very small, so you'll have to excuse me, but I thought one of the greatest honors that this country does on a regular basis to, um, to display that, the importance of that, serving in the military and the people who have given their lives, and folks, we could go on and on. But you talk about this, and, and the unknown and yet well-known, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier represents soldiers who have died fighting for America. Um, that's one of them on my bucket list. I, my wife and I were talking last night, one of the things I want to do. I've never been to Washington, D.C., and I want to go to Washington, D.C. I want to see the monuments. I want to see some of the things that I've heard about and read about and saw pictures of and that type of thing, and I want to go there. I want to go to that, that uh, tomb of the unknown soldier. It says here that their remains were never identified. Um, unknown and yet well unknown. Since 1935, think about this, since 1935, for 365 days a year and 24 hours a day, a soldier walks and guards the tomb of the unknown soldier. What a tribute. Each guard, listen to this, each guard takes five to eight hours to prepare their uniform for this duty. Brent Heidel, I think is what his name is, a tomb sentinel, of the 3rd U.S. Infantry Regiment kept guard over the tomb during the historical Hurricane Sandy. He refused to leave his post, even when in clement weather there was never, there has never been a time that one soldier disrupted the chain for guarding the tomb of the unknown soldier since 1935. That, in my opinion, is a very, very, very high honor to give to the people who have fought. And so you think about it from a spiritual perspective. Paul said, unknown yet well known in 2 Corinthians 6 and, and 9. And what we need to do is we need to declare as apostolics, we need to declare the battle position today like that soldier at that unknown tomb. I mean, you talk about honor and you talk about dedication and, and all of that business, and I'm certainly not... Uh, 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 running that down. I think that is a tribute to our country that we would do something like that and continue to do something like that. But you know, when, we, when you think about what we're into, and the scripture talks about the fact that we're battling. We don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickednesses in high places. What does that mean for me? Well, let me, let me just uh, give you 10 things that you can think about that you and I can start standing guard. First of all, that no matter what storm we face, we're going to declare that Jesus reigns in all of your battles. Can you say amen? amen. Number two, that you will maintain your position, you as an individual of intercession and faith with the resistance of the enemy in your trials, that you're going to stay, that you're going to stay steadfast. Number three, that you will man your post against evil for your home and family. Can you say amen? amen. Number four, that you, like Brent Heidel, will be vigilant in your warfare 
uh, worship against the enemy of compromise and apathy. That's what's seeping in, folks, is that the enemy is not telling you not to do it. He's telling you just don't do it with so much intensity. And you and I, we must resist that. I appreciate what was going on here this morning. That's what we need to do. We need to declare, praise God, that our God has set us free. Can you say amen? amen? Number five, that you make up your mind that in the middle of a spiritual hurricane, you choose to honor Jesus Christ as the one who will see you through the victory. Come on, he's the one that's going to see you through the victory. Number six, that through the storm, or, or, or though the storm is raging, you know, in areas of your life and your soul, that you will not leave your post until Jesus relieves you. That you're going to stay steadfast. You're going to keep doing it in Jesus' name. And then number seven, that when the the enemy comes, not if. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise a standard against him. Come on, do you believe that? Come on, he will do that. That's what God is going to do in Jesus' name. And then number eight, that you will release the warfare of your worship in the middle of this perfect storm that you are facing, that you're not afraid to stand up, lift up the name of Jesus, let it all hang out in the name of Jesus. Listen to me, folks. That's not a cause to be embarrassed. That's a cause to be to be just be apostolic in Jesus' name. And then number nine, that you defend the honor and the glory of Jesus Christ, the unknown but yet well-known soldier at Calvary for our sins, praise God. And then number 10, that with dignity and honor, you will fight the good fight of faith. Intercede that you will be faithful to the things of God and to the kingdom business of heaven, no matter how the storm rages, and that you are determined that you will not leave your post for Jesus Christ. Anybody want to make a commitment like that this morning? Why don't you stand? Come on, let's raise up both of those hands, and let's, let's ask the Lord to help us to make that kind of a commitment. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Come on, I'll tell you, the Lord is looking for soldiers. He's looking for people, praise God, that will, that will fight the good fight of faith. Come on, you can be one of them right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, declare that this morning on this Memorial Day that you're going to do the will of God. You're going to be what God wants you to know to do in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. That's it. Come on, I'm telling you, God is wanting us to be a part of that army in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praises be unto the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord God. Praise you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, he's our God. Let's make this Memorial Day a day of memory in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's right, he's our king. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And then finally today, before you're seated, and I'm, I'm going to be fairly brief here this morning, but I want us to pray for two things, two things here. And first of all, if you have the Holy Ghost, and, you've, and maybe for reasons, uh, whatever, 
You've not allowed that Holy Ghost to have that victorious way in your life. I'm not here to compare you with the next person. I'm not looking for the demonstration of, of, of physical so much as I'm looking for the response in the spirit that is in you. Praise God. One of the things that Jesus described to us about the Holy Ghost in the seventh chapter of the book of John was the fact that if we would believe on him as the scripture saith, out of our bellies, and that really literally means the innermost being of us, soul dimension, he said would flow rivers of living water. I got the Holy Ghost on a Sunday night and I did not understand what it was all about. I was not acquainted with it, but I determined that I was going to stay in a church that believed in that. Praise God. And so, you know, weeks and months came. And one time, I think it was about two months later, at a Wednesday afternoon prayer meeting, I had been praying and I'd been asking God to help me with this because I, I wanted everything. I didn't want it just a little dab. I didn't want God just to touch me and then it'd be all over and I'd just have to wait for the rapture to take place. I never believed in that stuff, folks. But one day on that, that prayer, that two months later, about in that prayer meeting on Wednesday afternoon, there was something that burst forth in me. That was, I knew that that was a fountain, praise God. And I have never, ever been the same since that. Now, I'm not saying you've got to do it exactly like me, but I believe that you can count on what the Word of God says. So if you have the Holy Ghost here today, you need to pray that God will allow you to be used in that realm, that you will allow that Spirit to flow freely like you have never done before in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? And then number two, if you do not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and I'm not going to spend long on this, but I know that, that the Holy Ghost sometimes gets very, very much negative publicity. People think that we worship tongues. People think that we worship dancing and all of the things that are byproducts of having the Holy Ghost. And that is not true. You must understand that God did this. We're going to talk about this a little bit for the next few minutes. But God wants to help you to receive the Holy Ghost. That's what he wants to do. It's not some complicated thing. It's not that you have to get to a place that you're good enough. That is such a mistake and such a deception. It is. All you need to do is realize that it's a gift and that God wants to give it to you. So I want you to take a little bit of liberty here and lay hands on the person next to you. I don't know where they're at, but whether they have the Holy Ghost or they need the Holy Ghost, come on, let's believe God to do an outpouring in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody really needs to be set free in here. You need to let that fountain inside of you to just flow like a river of living water. Come on, picture Niagara Falls. Picture Niagara Falls. That's what God wants to do for you. He wants to flow millions of gallons into your life. Yes. Oh, Rabaka, Ielamanda. I pray for those that are online with us right now. I pray for this world right now that they would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with signs following in the name of Jesus. And that, Lord God, that we would be open to it. That we would be open to what you want to do in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord God, yes. Come on, that's right, that's right. Pray with boldness. Pray with encouragement. Pray with confidence in the name of Jesus. Come on, it's been stated. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by His Spirit. That's what does it. Come on, that's what we can have confidence in. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, let it flow. Let it flow like a river of living water. Let it come down into this place, into their homes, into their jobs. Let it touch every fabric that we have, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Let it flow into this community of Gillette, Campbell County, Wyoming, and the Rocky Mountain District. I pray that it will be like rivers of living water that will touch every person, all the hungry and the thirsty, in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Yes. Mm. Oh, blessed be to the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace, mm, for your power, for your ways, almighty God, in the name of Jesus, that are here in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lift up those hands one more time, would you? Come on, just give the freedom of the Lord an expression. Yes. Yeah. name and you may be seated the Lord bless you today praise God this is a very special day in America we celebrate the fact that um, that as a nation we've been free and and all of that has such special ramifications I understand that politics has taken over a lot of this stuff and I'm certainly not going to teach or preach a, pol a political message I try the, my best to, to stay away away from that stuff I just do in fact, the Bible says in the book of James where there is envy and strife, there is every evil work. The word strife there in the Greek, if you study it, really means to be, actual, to be um, vying for an office. It means to want to be elected. That's literally what it means. And, you know, Israel got themselves into trouble with that when they wanted to elect a king. How would you like to be the king of God's kingdom? No way. That is not a job that you want. And it wasn't designed for a man. It was designed for God. And so there are some positions that you and I must understand unless God raises them up, unless God anoints them, you know, we don't want, we don't want to go there, praise God. We don't want to tread that, 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 uh, that place. And so we must think about that. And I, again, I'm not down on America and things that are happening here. I still feel like what we're dealing with now is the footmen. I feel like, I feel like we have entered into a realm of, of, of prophecy where the scripture says in the book of Jeremiah that if you can't walk with the footmen, there's just no way that you're going to be able to keep up with the rider of the horse. And that's where I feel like we're at. We're entering into that stage of time where we got to keep up with God. We got to do everything we can to stay close to him. 
That's what you and I have to do. That's our duty. That's what God requires of us. And I understand in this loosey-goosey world where people want to have God at, the, at whatever they want, whatever, whatever he means to them. I'm going to tell you something, folks. I don't want any of that business. Amen. He's the one that filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He's the one that went to Calvary and shed his blood for my sins. I'm going to tell you something, folks. I have no allegiance to you. I have it all to God. That's what I want to do. I lift up my hands unashamedly, praise God. I'm telling you something. You don't make me come to a place like this. You don't make me worship God. You don't coerce me to do this stuff. I do this because I want to. I recognize that my God is the ultimate thing in Jesus' name. And I believe that's where the apostolic world is at. That's what's happening, praise God. There's a, a, a tremendous revival of that happening in the name of Jesus. And so hopefully today that will be stirred up in you. Because again, I don't believe in relegating it to just one day. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't celebrate a day or Christmas and Easter or whatever that type of thing. But listen to me, folks. You talk about the, the person who's guarding that tomb 365 days a, week, a year. I'm going to tell you something. God has saved my soul 365 days a year. That's what I'm telling you. Every day I want to lift him up. Every day I want to pray. I want to get closer to him than I ever have before in the name of Jesus. That's a desire, folks. That's a desire that God has put into my heart. And I hope that he will do the same thing for you because that's the only recourse that we have folks there is not going to be a political leader that's going to raise up and give us salvation and lead us into the promised land he has already died and went to heaven but one of these days he's coming back his name is Jesus he's going to come back and he's going to straighten this earth out praise God there's going to be a thousand years of peace why because he's here in the name of Jesus and he is going to take care of those things in Jesus name that's what's going to happen you and I can look forward to that but prior to that, you know, Jesus ushered in the, the age of grace. And you must understand, I don't know if you've ever had dispensational teaching or not, but you can follow the scripture and you can see that at times that God dealt with mankind in certain ways. And then usually what it ended up was in judgment, that man would fail or whatever the case is. And then what God would do is he would literally usher in a brand new age. Amen. That's what one of the interpretations of the word world is is it doesn't mean the terra firma, it doesn't mean the mountains or the streams, it literally means a time period. And this is what you and I are in right now. We are in the age of grace. What does that mean? It literally means that anybody who wants to get saved, they can get saved. I'm telling you right now, the scripture talks about it in prophecy in the name of Jesus. Let me share with you just a, just a little bit about what, what I'm talking about. Look at the book of Joel in the Old Testament, and I want to show you something here. And I know you've heard this before. A lot of people, uh, they preach on this, and, and I believe in it, and I, and I believe in the prophecies that God has, and, and so on and so forth. But the book of Joel is, was designed to help us to understand what was coming. And in the book of Joel, it makes reference to this in chapter number 2. Look at this in chapter number 2 and verse number 23. Again, now this was initially written to the nation of Israel, but as all prophecy has, it flows, it keeps going. And now we can take this prophecy to heart. Amen. And so the Bible says there in Joel 2 and 23, it says, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he, come on, everybody say he. He will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. 
Now, that is a prophecy. I understand that, that the, 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 the physical aspect or the physical picture of that is the harvest, that in the fall they would have rains that would prepare that ground, and then in, in, the, in the spring there would be the latter rains before they would harvest it. And so it does have some implications that way. But literally what God is talking to us about is in the spiritual realm. That on the, in the day of Pentecost, initially in the second chapter of the book of Acts, there was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And that was the former reign, praise God. And ever since that, God has been doing that. But I don't know if you're aware of this in world events, but you know, the, one of the things that, I, that was kind of the standard that they were looking for when I first came into this church back in the 70s, back in the middle 70s, I started looking for God and God led me to the apostolic church. And you folks were talking about, man, we got to see 3,000 people get the Holy Ghost in one day. And that's what they were looking for. And you must understand in the last 20 years that, 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 that many, many, I can't, I've, I've lost count of how many times, at least 3,000, and in one instance in, in, the, in the country of Ethiopia, there was a time when 100,000 people in one service received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now listen to me, folks. I'm not glorifying numbers. That's not what I'm doing. Because it's all about what God is doing. But I am telling you, there are signs all around us that God is pouring out the latter rain. Amen. And you must understand, God isn't forcing people to do this. You must understand, what God does is make himself available. It's like his love. God doesn't force you to receive his love. You can go through life and you can reject God if you want to. That's your privilege. But that isn't, going to, that isn't going to help you when you stand before the judgment of God because God is going to show you that he made that available to you. Amen. That there was nothing, nothing that could stop God's love coming other than you. And so this is what it is. And I understand that's a little bit intimidating for us. That's why you and I must take this serious. That was one of the first things that was very evident with the church that I came into in Dubuque, is that they weren't perfect. They weren't people that didn't make mistakes, but they were serious about this. There was something about those services, praise God, that got a hold of my soul, praise God. And that's what God is doing in these last days. And so the scripture talks about that. And then the Bible says in verse 24 there, I'm still in Joel 2, it says, and the floor shall be full of wheat and the vat shall overflow with wine and oil. Now understand in the physical realm, you know what that is. But in the spiritual realm, wheat is always talking about the harvest of souls. The wine and the fruit talks about the fruit of the spirit that comes into a person. And that's what's happening. I'm telling you right now, there are more people being used in the gifts of the spirit than there ever has been in the history of mankind. And why is that? Because God has made it available. But listen to me, at Azusa Street, back in the early 1900s, it was prophesied that certain things were going to come on the land in the last days. And one of the things that was prophesied was the fact that there was going to come a time when people would worship or praise God, but not pray to him. And that's what's happening. I see this in the charismatic movement. And I'm not against them, folks. Let them have it. But listen to me. I thank God that I came into a church that understand that understood not only praise, but they understand the art of prayer. That if my people that are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he said I would hear from heaven and I would heal their land and I would forgive their sin. 
I'm telling you folks, that's what we are. We're not people that just praise him, although we do that a lot. And I thank God for it. It loosens you up a little bit. But I thank God for the prayer that's going on. I can tell you right now, there's four or five churches in the United States that have just spent the last 30 days in prayer and fasting. They're praying that God will deal with this country in a way that he never has before. You talk about serious folks, that's what's happening. Amen. And so the scripture tells us, praise God, that the vats would overflow, that the weed would be full, praise God. And look at verse 25. I believe in this. Come on, some of you are victims of this. You've been raised in homes that weren't godly. You had certain things that happened to you in life, praise God, and I'm not here to, 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 you know, to overemphasize the victim. You can get caught up in that web too. But you must understand, this is what God did do. This is what he showed to me. When I came to God, I was 22 years of age. I thought that I was too old for this stuff. I thought I'd missed the bus. And God began to share with me that first year that I was in the church when I would allow the Spirit to flow through me. He began to say, I'm going to make up time in your life. I'm going to excel some things in your life. Listen, folks, I have no heritage in this. The people in St. Louis don't know me, and that doesn't bother me a bit. But I got a Heavenly Father that does. My God has done some things in my life, praise God, that are just astounding. And I give Him all the credit. And I want to talk to somebody here today that maybe is an orphan coming into this, that you don't think you're worth that you don't think that God did, wants to use you, yet that's, that is not the case. God wants to do something here. And verse 25 is your verse. Look at this. He says, and I will restore unto you the years that, that the locust has eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm. My great, he says, my great army which I send among you. That's what God is doing. He's restoring, praise God, the church. He's bringing unity back into the ranks. And I'm going to tell you something. The thing that is responsible for the vast majority of that, my friend is the spirit of God it's what unlocked the doors in the book of Acts so that a Peter who you know didn't care about peer pressure anymore went into a household praise God that was Gentile and that was taboo that was something they didn't do as Jews but God gave him a special vision and said you go to that house and you know something that first message he didn't get through his first message you read it for yourself in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. The Bible says, while he yet spoke the word, the Holy Ghost fell on them. Come on, can you say amen? That's what I believe in. That's the kind of stuff that we try to do around here, praise God. We don't have so much protocol. Yeah, we have an agenda. We gotta, you got to have some kind of organization. But the bottom line is God is welcome to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants to do it in here in the name of Jesus. Can you lift up your hands right now and ask the Lord to do something even in this place now? Oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that's what God said he would do for you, Christian. That's what he said he would do. He said he would restore some things into your life. Come on, and that doesn't have anything to do with you and I deserving it. It has to do with what God wants to do in Jesus' name. Praise God. 
I, I remember, you know, in the early days back in Dubuque, um, you, many of you met him, Clayton George, he was here, and I mean, he was, he was hard. I mean, to tell you, that guy, I knew him from playing in the bars over in East Dubuque. This guy was a, he was a known drug dealer, but when he came into the church, I'm telling you something, God changed his life, and not just for five minutes, not for just ten minutes, but this guy, he went through the city, and he began to witness to people, and you want to know who he went to? He went to a lot of the people over in East Dubuque that we feared. There were people that were coming into the back of the church for our services, praise God, that people were going, man, I hope they don't get a fight in here. I hope somebody doesn't draw a knife. I hope some, I hope they don't, I hope they're not packing, you know, and that type of thing. And listen, I, I know we can glorify that kind of a testimony, but the point I'm trying to make is that God took some of those hardened criminals and he began to change them. That's what he did. And that's what I'm talking about. God wants to take the hardness of our heart. It doesn't make any difference what you've been involved in the world. I'm going to tell you something. The world has one agenda. That is to make your heart hard. So you can't receive the things of God. But how many since the Holy Ghost has come into your life have felt a softening of God in your life? That's what's happening. Listen to me, folks. You need to yield to that. Come on. That's not some fad. That's not some, you know, church's idea. That's God coming in because he prophesied that he would create in us a clean heart and, uh, and, and, and soften that heart. And that's what he's doing, my friends. That's what he's doing. That's what it took for me to receive the Holy Ghost. I needed a new heart. I needed something that, could, that was pliable, that could receive the things of God. And so this is what, this is what the atmosphere of God does. And so the scripture says there in verse 26, he says, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of your Lord, your God, that hath dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. Do you see that? That's the thing that's hardening some people's hearts right here in this place. Is that yes, you feel a little bit of a shame. Now let me do about four or five minutes worth of teaching right now. I got a call not too long ago. Somebody was asking me about guilt. And I know guilt's a real thing. I have it. I have to still deal with it. And, you know, a lot of times when people call me, I don't have quick answers. I rely on God. I got to have his wisdom. And so this person was asking me about this, and I said, well, listen. And I felt the Lord just, and it's how he does things for me. He just flows, comes into my mind, gives me answers. And if I'll be willing and, and spontaneous enough to just answer what the Lord tells me. It's kind of like, you know, when you get a tongue and interpretation. Many of you have had that, but you've hesitated because you want to you say it real proper. And you want to make sure you don't make any mistakes. And I'm going to tell you something. You're never going to ever get to that place. You just need to be spontaneous. You need to say, say what the Lord has told you. And listen to me, folks. You don't need to be embarrassed about it. But I said there are two kinds of, of guilt that we're going to have to deal with in life. Two. And I said, the first guilt is the guilt of your past. I said, you know, God didn't, didn't uh, uh, you know, uh, delete my memory. There are some places I can still walk into and I go, oh, deja vu. And I don't glorify that, but I'm just saying, I remember that. There's certain smells. I work down there, I hope you don't mind this, but I work down there in my shop. And, um, and right next to us is this tattoo place, you know. And sometimes I walk out that door and I smell things. And I go, oh, remember that one? Yeah. And again, I just have to dismiss that. 
Right away, I, ha- I can't even give that any room to come into my life. And many of you, that's what you're dealing with. And you will. You will deal with your past. But you must understand, just like Samuel and Stacy, when they went down last week in the name of Jesus, every bit of their past was completely washed away. And that's what you got to keep repeating. That's where you got to go. There is nothing good enough that you can do to take care of that guilt. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how much money you start making. I don't care how prosperous you get to be. You're never going to be able to deal with that guilt. God dealt with it for you. Can you say amen? That's what he wants to continually do. And if you've got to do that a hundred times a day, that's not because you're a good person. It's because you recognize that God's going to take care of this for me. Amen. And so the guilt of the past has got to be taken care of. Because if it don't, it'll come back to haunt you. It'll wake you up in the middle of the night. It'll make you feel inadequate. It'll make you feel like you can't do anything for God. I know there's at least four or five of you right now are dealing with that. And God wants to heal you of that. He wants to take care of that guilt in Jesus' name. Come on, what do you say that we pray? Let's ask God to do that right now. Come on, I believe that God wants to take care of that past guilt right now. Come on, come on. You can lift those hands in faith right now. You don't have to be ashamed. Come on, he's here. He's here, the same one that that allowed you to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of those sins is here to take care of all that guilt. Come on, recognize that. This is not some emotional roller coaster. This is a fact that in the name of Jesus, he washed my sins away. Now, if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to do it. Come on, don't hesitate. Don't sit there and try to get this figured out on your own. Oh, hallelujah. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost here to want to touch somebody. Somebody, you're right there. You know it. You've seen it in the scripture. You've seen that the Holy, that, that the Holy Ghost is for you and that baptism in Jesus' name is not some fluke. Mm. Oh, hallelujah. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost touching somebody here in a special way. I come against that shame. I come against that guilt. I curse it in the name of Jesus. I command it to let go. I command that ball and chain to be loose right now in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Now what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to trust that God has touched every one of you with that. Listen to me, folks. Not everything has to be N-Y-A-C. What is that convention? Yes. Not everything has to be that. And I'm not against that. We got a big group going down to that this summer. I'm praying that God will touch them and all that kind of business. But folks, I don't depend on that kind of stuff. I have removed myself from an event-oriented person. Yeah. 
I love events, but I'm telling you something. My God's a daily God. I can get just as high on the Lord driving down the street, lifting my hands and giving it to the Lord. You call that what you want, but that's called faith in the name of Jesus. I have faith in Him, not in an organization. I love the organization and I love people. I love coming to church with you guys, but I don't depend on you. I depend on Him. He's the one, praise God, that when He rebukes the devil, the devil goes. And so you must understand it, and I'm praying that every one of you felt that touch. Now take that touch. It's like me, when I first got the Holy Ghost, folks, I didn't speak in a hundred different languages. I didn't. There was just a little bit that came out. And I'll be honest with you, the first thing I tried to do was squash it, because I didn't understand it. I'm going, man, I'm making that up. That was the first thing the devil told me when I walked out the back church on a Sunday night service. The first thing. And I'm going, my God, how do I deal with this? And God says, glad you asked. You know, that's what I'm talking about. Doubt is there. And so we got to deal with it. And we can deal with it from, a, from the scriptural standpoint. When you have obeyed the scripture, you can throw that in the devil's face. You can. You can say, I'm blood-bought. You, you don't have to give him a, a, a three-page dissertation. All you need to do is go to that scripture. Jesus said it is written. And that's what we do. And that's how we take care of the past guilt. But listen to me, folks. There is some other guilt. And it's a guilt of something that sometimes we're, we're struggling with things. Listen, this is not a church that expects you to, you know, 12 seconds after you walk in that door, you better not ever commit another sin in your life. Whoa, I wouldn't be here. And I'm not glorifying sin. I'm just saying I have this treasure in earthen vessels. And I understand that takes a lot of teaching. A lot of teaching. Because you hand that to somebody who's carnal, and they'll think they can do whatever they want. They think they can live any way they want, and then come in here and just play the old Jesus, I'm high thing. And that's what a lot of people are doing in the world. And it ain't right. See, what God did was he said, I got a better way for you to live. See, I've always taught three different types of salvation. You have an initial salvation. When you're born again, you can see and you can enter into the kingdom of God. No doubt. God gives you access. Amen. But it's not over then. Because the book tells us in the, in the second chapter of Philippians that you and I have to start working out our salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean we rewrite the book. It just means now we start to adapt the book. That's what we do. And I understand in our American culture that they don't want to do that. Most people don't. They want God on their own level. They want God to stay up there in heaven. And then when they really, 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 really need him, then come and rescue me. That's how most of the denominal world operates. But not in the apostolic church. We begin a daily regiment, praise God, where we start living the way God wants us to live. Not in perfection, but in direction. That's what we start doing. We start going more and more towards him. And that's where your guilt sometimes will come in. Sometimes, and, I, and I'm not trying to give somebody a complex here, but I'll tell you right now, there's a couple of you in here, you're just not trying hard enough. You're just not. And I, I don't know any other way I can tell you that. I'm your pastor. I'm not going to sit here and, and, and pat you on the head and say, oh, you're doing great. Just keep doing it. Keep... No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push you. Those of you that come to these services, you know this little mouthy preacher isn't going to let you get away with it. Why? Because God doesn't let me get away with it. Now, come on. I'm not something. He is. He's just flowing through me. That's what he's doing. And I understand that gets you mad. And if you had something sharp in your hand, I'd be in trouble. I know that. That's why I love him and her. 
because I live with her, and she won't hurt me. <laughs> she sometimes tells me about my English and my organizational skills, but boy, she doesn't, she doesn't very rare does she say anything about what God is preaching through me. And that's good. That's why her and I are a great partner, and we're going to continue that. But listen to me, folks. That doesn't make me scared of you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to re help you to realize, praise God, that you have gotten a hold of the greatest thing on this side of heaven. And if you haven't yet, do it. Come on, don't resist the Holy Ghost. Let it come. And it might be just a little bit when it first comes. But just keep working with that. I've said that to people. Praise God. You know, and within weeks or months, praise God, if they'll come to church and they'll pray and they'll be in the prayer room and be in environments where the Holy Ghost can move, pretty soon they'll be, they'll be speaking in tongues like a Chinese laundry. I'm serious. Now, again, that isn't a requirement to go to heaven, but that's, the, uh, the, that's an understanding that you know the Spirit is flowing. And that's what I'm interested in. I want, when I pray, I'm not interested in what I think and what I want. I want the Holy Ghost to be able to flow through me. Because the Bible says that that's one of the reasons God gave us the Holy Ghost. Because He said, not, not me, He said, we don't know how to pray. We don't know how to pray. Because we're too, too focused on ourselves. But God said, I'm going to give you some help. There's going to be an intercessor that's going to come inside of you that will help you to pray according to the will of God. And I'm going to tell you something. Once you ever do that, you'll never want to do it any other way. I'm serious. That's how the Holy Ghost goes. And so the scripture says that this was all prophesied in the book of Joel. And he says in verse number 26, he said, my people will never be ashamed. I'm never ashamed of the things of God. Now I can be ashamed of myself. And that's what you feel the guilt of. And I'll tell you what you need to do. What you need to do when you feel the guilt of something that's now that you're doing that you know is not right is you need to keep, go back and make the commitment to God that you're going to keep working on it. And that's what people need to do because I have done that for 40 some odd years. And I'm not telling you that, that, that I have the same problems I had back then. I'm just saying that I got a flesh. And every time something in my flesh, praise God, one of the things I've been constantly working on here for the last 10 years, God gave me a 10-year project, and it was, I, I pray against this every day, and that's any and all forms of ungodly anger. That one will get you and me into trouble in a hurry. And we need to, with the help of God, we need to keep that contained. Now, am I perfect? Do I walk down the road and never get mad at anybody? Just ask her. Yeah. <laughs> No, I don't throw things around and that kind of stuff. I gave up the music repair business. That's why I did. And that's why I could never become a, a mechanic, William. <laughs> too hard for me. Yeah, too much of a knuckle buster. So you're, you're a good man. You keep doing that. You keep fixing those cars. I really do. But the bottom line is, folks, that's where the guilt comes from. Is sometimes we got something that we're working on. And what, how you get rid of that guilt or how you deal with that guilt is you commit to God that you're going to keep working on it. And that's how it is. See, we had people that came into the church where I was born again into that instantaneously, my goodness, they were this, and then it seemed like the next day they, were, they had wings. And I'm looking at them and I'm going, God, you didn't do that for me. 
you know? Well, some of it, you know, is a little bit of our exaggeration when we tell it. But the bottom line is, folks, I realize after being around people like you folks that all of us have got things that God's working on. And we need to let him do that. And we need to have a safe environment where we can come in and we can tell those kind of faults. And we can keep working on these things and not get embarrassed with one another. Now listen, there are times, and I'm going to just qualify this, you need to put the pedal to the metal. You need to get involved in some fasting. You need to get more serious about what's happening in your life. And that's, that's how the kingdom of God operates. This keeping it on, you know, cruise control at 30 miles an hour. Yeah, you'll get there, but you're not going to get there very fast. And so once in a while, you've got you to gotta put a little bit of intensity I remember one time a guy gave me an illustration, and I hope this isn't too carnal for you. But I was, actually, I was in a minister's meeting when this happened, so judge it for what you want. But he was saying, do you know why, Brother Carnahan, why they can score so many points, you know, at the, after two-minute warning? Back in the day, you know, when we used to play football, defense was the name of the game. You know, you could touch the receiver. You could play defense. And so a lot of games, the first three quarters, that's what they were. It was a game of defense. And I'm not saying that there wasn't stuff happening, but, you know, today's crowd, they want to see 90 points. They just want to see a touchdown every time they get the ball. And so their hands off, man, don't you touch those people. I'm being political, ain't I? (laughs) But the bottom line is, back in the day, they used to be a defensive game. And then, man, alive, you get to the last five or ten minutes of the game, all of a sudden something intensive would happen. And this is what the guy told me. He said, it's because the game gets a whole lot more intense. It's the same way in almost every sport, you know. That's what happens. Now listen, I'm not trying to be carnal here. I'm just trying to give you an understanding that there are times in your life that it might be the two-minute warning. That God is really dealing with you about that issue and he wants to deliver you from it. Not just give you a covering for it. Not just give you a sense of feeling good about yourself. That's psychology. What God does is he wants to deliver you. And then he'll move on to another project. And don't worry about it, folks. We're never going to get them all taken care of. Not in this lifetime. But we must make the commitment to God that we're going to, we're going to work on it. And so that's what I feel here today. I feel like sometimes we get mingling with the world and what they'll tell us is, oh, it's okay that you're that way. Yeah, it's okay that you you treat her that way or him that way. That's the way the world is. Just watch another 15 or 20 sitcoms and they'll tell you how to do it. See, that's where our world is at. And that's what we get these ideas from. And we've got to keep coming back to God and say, now God, how do you want me to do it? And that's what we got to keep on working on. Now, I understand that's not for the faint of heart. (laughs) I understand that. That you can't be some wimp and get involved with that kind of stuff. That's why I know it's getting real sober in here right now. That's what you signed up for. But you must understand the gates of uh, a city with the streets of gold is waiting for you. Eternity with God is waiting for you. Paul put it this way. He said, I reckon... And that just means I figured this out. 
He said, I reckon that the, the, the trials or the things that I go through in this life are not even to be compared to what I'm going to get when this thing is all over. I talked about three aspects of salvation. Initial salvation, working out your salvation, and then there is eternal salvation. Whether it be the rapture or you breathe your last, one of these days you will be in the presence of God for eternity. Now listen to me, folks. If people can put on a uniform and spend five to eight hours making sure that brass is polished and everything looks great, and I'm not, I'm not, don't read anything into that, but if they can do that for, because people have died at war, and I believe that's important, what are we supposed to have the attitude of? What are we supposed to go to the extent of? And I'm telling you right now, in this place right now, what God wants to do is he wants to bump that up with every one of you. Not ridiculous. Not unrealistic. He just would like you to start making a few more commitments about doing what he wants you to do instead of what you want to do. And I know there's many of you that have been struggling with that for years. You get off work after working 12 hours a day, and I'm not here to be unsympathetic to your plight. But listen to me, folks. You're still God's. And the thing that's been the saving grace in my life is that God gave me something to do every day. I'm not talking about just making a whole lot of money and spending it just as fast. I'm talking about getting involved in His kingdom. That's what God gave me the privilege to do. And you're never going to find anything that will help your self-esteem like that. And that's not, that is not political or psychological. That is God. The privilege that He would see would take somebody like me who's a nobody... And that doesn't bother me, by the way. And the older I get, the more I want to keep that anonymity. What is an anonymity? Is that, did I say that right? Yeah, I can't, I can't screw up at home. <laughs> I, she's got to wait until I get home to, to, to correct me here. <laughs> That's why I make up the words, you know. The guys who are getting the food out, remember that? Yeah, that's mine. I come up with that stuff. Because she won't let me do it at home. But listen to me, folks. Every one of us right now, we can make a commitment to him this Memorial Day weekend. That we're not going to forget what he's ever done. Now listen, two things here. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, I am not here to shove it down your throat. I'm here to say that you are, you are, um, you are um, not getting involved with one of the greatest privileges he had. You know what the title of my message was going to be here today? The title of my message, and I'm not much for titles, was the title was an offer that you should not refuse. That's what God is giving you. He's giving you an offer to get every bit of your past under his blood. And then, in increments, he'll help you with the, with the present and the future. And number two, if you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I pray that God will wash your brain today and literally give you a brand new refreshing of what is this really all about. You know, not following what the people of the world have said. Listen to me, folks. The first time we saw a giant outpouring of the Holy Ghost, there was a misconception that came right on the heels of it. These guys are drunk. These guys are drunk. That's what they thought. And so what do you think the world today is going to do with this phenomena called the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Do you think they're going to treat it kindly? That's why you've got to believe God and not man. That's why you got to come to God every day. You got to make a, a, a commitment to Him that I'm going to come to you for the answers. And God will give them to you in Jesus' name. 
Are you ready to make a commitment on the guilt that you have today? Come on, why don't you stand with me right now? Let's do it. Come on, the guilt of your past is already done. You don't have to deal with that other than just remind yourself Memorial Day that God's blood cleanses me. Now today, you just got to make a fresh commitment to Him saying, I'm going to work on this stuff. You and I are going to make this thing work in the name of Jesus. Come on, I don't feel any pressure in here, by the way. I really don't. I feel the power of God coming in here and meeting with us on a level that we can handle. Come on, we can handle this. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus.